online, you may join us as well as we read. Our scriptures are found in the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. That is the word of the Lord. You may take your seats. Thanks, Joy. Good morning, everyone. We are, we are in this uh, series. We've gone through this uh, at the start of the year. Um, uh, sure. All right. Is it clear? Can you hear me at the back? Okay. And uh, this is our series on sure and, and stable. And we're talking about the last two years of uh, instability, uh, a, a situation being unstable, and people are just uh, uh, just wondering what will happen next. And uh, we just uh, continue to pray as leaders and pastors and the bishops. We prayed together and, and decided to go back to the centrality of Christ and His Lordship and Him being the, the, the very person who will stabilize our lives, our families, our nation, our situations. And that's why we have come to a place where we say, you know what, let's go and, and jump into the scriptures and discover Christ being our cornerstone. And cornerstone is a, a very important, uh, uh, important part of a building in order for it to be able to survive storms and earthquakes and situation you have to have a very strong cornerstone and uh, and since Apostle Paul used that and uh, Isaiah even used that uh, when things were not doing well during the time of Isaiah when they were being exiled uh, the the prophecies on the cornerstone had been mentioned and the New Testament started anchoring themselves to that idea that the Messiah is the cornerstone. And so we have dealt with that, uh, I think sometime January or February, we have dealt with some of these uh, uh, two weeks of going through it. But for the next two Sundays, we will continue with that series on sure, uh, stable and sure, uh, today and next Sunday. And after that, we're going to be uh, talking about the church and uh, our, our part in all of these uh, things that God is doing uh, here on this earth. And so today, uh, we're going to look at one of the... Uh, I don't think Paul was playing favorites, but, in, but you know, in almost in all of his letters, he would rebuke and correct the churches. And so, especially Galatians. Kawawa yung Galatians. Pag binasa nyo yung Galatians, talagang... Parang galit na galit, parang alam niyo, galit na galit si Paul. Parang ano bang ginawa ng Galatians? So, um, and so he, you know, immediately, walang masyadong introduction, inupakan ka agad. I'm sorry, I used the third uh, the word upak, ano? Uh, I mean, he just went ahead and rebuked the church in Galatia because they've been going haywire as far as the gospel. They're not holding on to the gospel. And so he was so 
uh, uh, not into it that he has written his first letter uh, uh, to one of the churches that he has helped plant and uh, and uh, and but obviously we, we you know some theologians are saying he has grown in his leadership that was his first letter so don't judge Paul according to his first letter so uh, he had grown in his leadership up to the point where bumait na po siya na pagdating ng uh, I don't know kung naging senior citizen na siya siguro uh, but uh, he had become so nice na and started you know greeting people but but of all these churches I mean next to Galatians is Corinth Corinthian the Corinthian church was so worldly that he has highlighted around 12 to 13 issues in the church and he magnified those points and then he gave his theological perspective basically telling the church in Corinth you shape up <laughs> you shape up and so that was but we've learned so much because of his corrections because of his theological perspective on different issues we now have strong theology today and so uh, thank you know thank you Lord for the people in Corinth in Galatia and because of their uh, hard uh, hardness of hearts uh, we now have stronger theology today but there's this one church that is so special uh, to uh, Paul's heart uh, so special that there's no rebuke no correction it all it's all about just so dear to me you know those kind of letters um, and uh, he has visited the church and when he visited the church during his second journey uh, he had with him Priscilla and Aquila and he left them be uh, behind so that they can take care of the of the new converts in Eph Ephesus then he moved on to the next to Caesarea and ministered and then at one point he came back again and stayed there for three years and he had equipped a lot of them and trained them and and so when when he was put in prison in Rome during his last few years in Rome before uh, before he one of his last letters that he has given besides Timothy he has sent this letter uh, to uh, to the to the Christians in Ephesus and he has sent this uh, through uh, uh, Tychicus if I'm not mistaken and brought the letter and and spoke and and this was read to them they were the uh, initial audience of this letter um, and uh, I remember the I remember the text in Acts in chapter 1920 uh, when he uh, when he decided to meet up with the leaders of Ephesus and he says I, I, I can't you know he says I can't go there anymore would you please come so the elders in in in, in Ephesus uh, traveled for 20 miles just to meet up with him and he sat down with him and he had his heart opened his heart to them and uh, preached to them uh, overnight and then the next day uh, you know they hugged him they were crying because they knew they won't be able to see him again I've given you that background just uh, before we jump into the text so that you will see the heart of Apostle Paul towards the church in Ephesus that he, they were really so dear to him and as he has as he has done that uh, he has written this sent it to them and first chapter he basically talked about his redemption and and uh, his heart for them and then he has talked about uh, uh, his uh, not just redemption but um, uh, them being reconciled to him 
And so that's where we are right now in chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2. And we all know some of the famous passages of the scripture could be found in, in this, even in this chapter. Um, if you remember, uh, it is by grace you have been saved. Verse 8, if you remember that, uh, that passes, by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. Um, and, and for good works which God prepared beforehand as we should walk in them. So basically, yeah, this is one of the most controversial passages of the scripture. Um, by the way, this passage of the scripture, uh, year two, year. Uh, Year uh, 2000, uh, John, uh, the, the theologians of the Lutherans and the Catholics, the Vatican, uh, met and agreed on this passage of the scripture that it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And they had that signing, uh, it's in Time magazine, in uh, year 2000. Um, the, finally, the Lutherans, Martin Luther, if you remember, um, who, who started all the Protestantism, Finally, the theologians there and theologians with the Catholic Church met and signed and agreed on this passage I have just read before you today. Uh, this is how powerful this is. Now, we move on. Right after that, in verse 11, we talked about being one in, in Christ, Him being the cornerstone. And we're going to go through that. The main theme of this entire letter is basically about God's a kingdom advancing through his church through his church um, you know things could have been done by God's sheer power he could have just sent angels he you know to go to Panama uh, you know send angels to go now they look like angels but they're not angels right uh, our missionaries but he could have just sent throngs of angels to go and touch the hearts of the students in Panama University and, and, and touch the hearts of the immigration and so on and so forth. But he didn't do that. God decided that his kingdom will be adv advanced through the redeemed ones, through his people, through God's people, through the church. Say through the church. Through the church, the community of believers. And, and in this passage that, that we're about to uh, get into is describing these type of people. These people have been called of God. And we're going to talk more about the church uh, the, uh, after a week after next. Um, we're going to have a series on the church. But this is really an amazing text for us to see uh, that God, uh, you know, cannot just do it by himself. He wanted his children uh, to be the ones who will bring forth the gospel to the rest of the earth. We cannot just set aside and say, God will do this by himself. He wanted his people, and he is asking us to join up with him in his mission. A German theologian called it Misio, Misio Dei, the mission of God. And he is welcoming his children. Now sometimes we make more mess than you know, he could have just done it by himself, right? Uh, but uh, but he, j he just wanted to be with us. Imagine parents trying to prepare some food 
and the children says, Mommy, Mommy, can I help you? <laughs> your, your seven-year-old kid trying to join you in the kitchen, you know, to help you. You know, the seven and the six uh, and the eight-year-olds helping you in the kitchen to prepare for the lunch. How many of you know it is not going to be lunch? Lunch, it's going to be dinner already. Uh, I mean, it's just cleaning up the mess. I mean, I, if I go to, my, to our kitchen and, uh, and I do something in the kitchen I would prepare, uh, Judy would dread going back to the kitchen after me. Because the aftermath, the aftermath of yung kutsilyo andi dito, yung kotsara, yung sandok andi dito, and sons. I, you know, I watch, uh, I watch uh, some of the chef on TV and some of the chef here in the different restaurants when they prepare. Who among you, you've taken culinary courses? Raise your hands. Anyone here? R great, great. Nice, nice. Alam niyo yun, yung malinis, yung pagkano, tapos ayusin ka agad, punasan, ganun, di ba? Uh, yung mga katulad ko, wala eh, talaga. <laughs> it was, uh, parang may, may bagyong dumaan sa kusina. And so, instead na matuwa, eh, you know, for those of you <laughs> who are here and uh, listening, and then my wife would just, what, what's happened to my kitchen? And so, sometimes, uh, when I volunteer in cooking, preparing for the, for the food, I have to weigh first. Is, is, am I, am I, Am I really too hungry to prepare for it? Or I would love to have peace in the house. So you just have to make your choice. You can't have both, you know? Have food and peace in the house. You choose. Sometimes, you know, there's so much peace in the house. Let's prepare food, you know? But anyways, but what I'm saying is, I mean, God could have just done it by himself. So that things will be better, excellent, and, and, and efficient. But God is so patient enough to include you and I, imperfect human beings, to advance His kingdom. Aren't you glad that the Lord had called you and welcomed you to be part of His mission? Some of you, you look at your neighbor and says, uh, I don't know if I'll be glad, but, but I'm glad He asked me that I'm part of this. I am so glad I'm part of what God is doing on this earth through not through personalities by themselves, but through the community of believers. And, and I want, I'd like us to see that. Um, and and it's not, uh, we, we are not a, a movement of churches uh, that's, uh, that's into personality. Uh, we're not into that. Um, far be it uh, that we, we come to that place 100 years from now where victory is being pointed to just one person and directed towards one personality. That's not the point here. The point here is that to equip the saints to do the works of the ministry. Paul said it even here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 12, to equip us to do the works of the ministry. And so having said that, let's dive in here. There are three classic metaphors that Apostle Paul used in this passage in verse 19, 20, 21, 22, metaphors in order for us to understand the impact of the gospel and, 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 and showing Christ being the cornerstone. And he, he's the one who brought this all together. And he used three metaphors 
or examples or pictures or sem simile. Um, authors, Apostle Paul is very good at that, using examples, metaphors. Some metaphors are not perfect, but, you know, always read the context. Uh, don't extend the metaphor to another and then make your own theology out of it. But in that context, he used one metaphor at a time. And sometimes he would con combine multiple metaphors in one sentence. And we're going to look at that and, and dissect it. The first one is a holy nation. As a holy nation, we have become what? Fellow citizens. We are fellow citizens in a holy nation. And this is the picture of the church. Say church. The church. The picture of the church. Now, he has mentioned and, and talked about uh, 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 the gospel in chapter 1 and chapter 2. Now he's describing the impact of it and talking to the Gentiles. Remember, if Ephesus is, one, is outside Jerusalem, outside the center of Judaism. And, and so, these are Gentiles. Say Gentiles. Gentiles. Mga pagano. They're Gentiles. Gentiles like us. We're not Jews. We're not into Judaism. And so, he, he, he basically, is, because of the gospel, he said, you are welcome. And you are now fellow citizens. We might not have the same color of the skin, but because of the gospel, we are now fellow citizens of heaven. Amen? And so that's the picture. It's, it's almost like reminding them uh, that you are not a second-rate citizen. You are not uh, 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 just a, a second-rate person. And the Jews are the, you know, the uh, nation. Apostle Paul says, it's not like that. You are fellow citizens. Aren't you glad we're fellow citizens? We're fellow citizens. Verse 19, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. With the saints. Now, I want you to look at this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. Saints are not, you know, those people or dead people, okay? Saints are the Christians, the believers. Uh, so, um, by the grace of God and because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are all saints. Yes, we are all saints. Saint Aldwin, you know, I mean, be good to be in your uh, calling card, Pastor uh, Aldwin. Saint John. Yon, maganda yon, bagay yon, Saint John. Um, but we are all saints because of the blood of Jesus and we are fellow citizens with the saints we're fellow citizens with the saints even in jerusalem i want you to know that the church started in jerusalem remember when peter stood up in acts chapter 2 and he preached the gospel thousands came to christ right there in jerusalem during the day of pentecost and that's how the church started and out from there came uh, the gospel being spread all throughout the different places because of the persecution of the religious in Jerusalem. Remember the healing of that person at the gate, beautiful gate? And out of that healing, during Sabbath, came the persecution of the religious to the saints, and the Christians were forced out from Jerusalem and started preaching the gospel. And uh, 
And, uh, and that was the picture. And because of that force of the gospel, uh, Ephesus uh, had become a recipient of that gospel. And so now he's saying, you're no longer strangers nor aliens, but fellow citizens. Um, um, we, we, we value our citizenship here in, in, in the Philippines. I value my citizenship. Um, I have some, my, some of my sisters who have gone abroad and they have applied uh, dual citizenship. Um, uh, my other sister uh, didn't even know she, she has dual citizenship, so she wasn't able to vote. My other sister was very consistent of voting even, even though she's abroad. Uh, and so, uh, uh, but, 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 the, it's, it's, but there's, there's another citizens, there's another nation because of the gospel. And that is the holy nation, the nation of God. And we are now fellow citizens of that nation. Um, and then the second one is, so then, uh, a chosen people, we are family members. A while ago, a holy nation, we're fellow citizens. And now, a chosen people, we are family members. What did he say in that same passage, verse 19? Let's go back and visit that passage. Then we're no longer strangers, aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. That's another metaphor. A while ago, he was talking about a nation and citizenship. They were Gentiles before the Lord, uh, Apostle Paul says, you know, you're not just Gentiles. You are now of a holy nation. You're fellow citizens and members of God's household. In other words, we are members of another family. Okay, there are only, uh, some says there are only two families, the family of God and the family of the devil, okay? And now we are part of the family of God. He said, members of the household of God. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a spiritual family, the reality of the spiritual family. And because of the gospel, uh, we have become part of this family. Regardless of what your accent, what nation you're from, regardless of, I'll be, I'll be visiting one of our, uh, I'll be visiting uh, three or four churches in South Africa at the end of this month. And we'll be, be uh, visiting our, our churches there, every nation churches. And we'll be talking about discipleship. And we'll be talking about four E's. We'll be talking about uh, uh, the need to preach the gospel to the whole world. We'll be talking about, um, you know, uh, uh, empowering. We'll be talking about uh, um, uh, raising leaders. We'll be encouraging the pastors there. Um, and, um, and so... And so, uh, these, the, you know, they are from different nation, different language, but they are part of a spiritual family. Now, that's within every nation. Now, we also have the body of Christ all over the world. Um, it, and, 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 uh, and that is a very crucial. I was, I was uh, uh, doing my readings, John, uh, one time I was doing one of my readings. Um, and part of, my, part of my readings is we made, we made uh, what are the common denominators amongst Christians all throughout church history? 
uh, what are those common denominators? How do you know that they, these people were Christians? And uh, according to history, church history, there were around three to four common denominators that you would know whether it is a church under uh, a tree in Timbuktu, Mali, or they're Christians from cathedral, crystal cathedral from California, you know. How do you know that they are Christians? Well, the first one is their value of the scriptures. They value the word of God. Second, they, they, uh, they have an understanding. Uh, they have communion. Um, no, no matter what, the, what they use, whether bread or wine or whatever it may be, but Christians across church history, have, they practice communion. And the other one is that they knew that they are connected in some ways to the Jews. At one point, they're connected. Um, and, so there's, and, and the last one is the hope of Christ coming again. Those are some of the, at least if I remember, the three or four common denominators of the Christians in church history and and so we're not just talking about victory in the Philippines every nation we're talking about the evangelicals those who have received Christ as their Lord and Savior in the Philippines in other nation um, and and in the world I don't know if you're aware but uh, Bishop F Tendero has become the second Filipino who had become the president of World uh, <coughs> Evangelical Alliance. The evangelicals all over the world, Bishop F is the second Filipino who became, who became the president of that. He just retired, I think, last year, and now he is uh, an ambassador of, of something, of goodwill to nations now. But he is with us, uh, Bishop F. Is one of the friends, one of our friends. He has spoken in our conferences here in the Philippines and abroad. But I'm just sharing with you, um, you know, the you know the amazing news that uh, he's the second Filipino who led this. Um, we're talking about evangelicals all over the world, and here's this short guy, respected in Europe, in Germany, in the U.S. His office is in New York, um, and and he would visit uh, Latin America. And, and they would welcome him, um, and, and just amazing. Um, we're talking about the body of Christ. Yesterday, I had a chance to visit one of our friends, a very dear friend of us, of ours, uh, Bishop Chito Sanchez. I brought Pastor Alvin with me. We went downstairs. He, he, they have a church downstairs. Um, uh, uh, they're a very good friend of ours. Um, uh, when we found out that they started a church, we used to be friend, friends with him because of the orphanage. We're trying to help him out with his orphanage. Um, and, and then we realized he's also a pastor. And then we realized he also started a church here in the mall. And so when we heard about it, we, get, we looked for an excuse to bless him. So during our prayer and fasting, one day, uh, January, December, we, we gave him a call and invited him to preach in one of our prayer meetings and he preached uh, it's just an excuse to bless him uh, with more finances with our process of discipleship 
and uh, that was December. He was giving his story. December, he, he was, he's into uh, revival, uh, revi revivalism. He's into Holy Spirit visiting the churches. Then one day he says, Lord, why is it like that? He said, I go to nations. I have 50 people in my church. And then I go to nations and preach and then come back with still 50 people in my church. Lord, what? I, there should be something that needs to happen here in this church. And then, he, you know, just the idea of discipleship was dropping his heart. So he was praying, Lord, I want to do discipleship. That's what you asked the church to do. But I don't know how. Lord, help me. Then a phone call was given the same day. Uh, Pastor Luther called him and says, Hey, uh, Pastor Chito, uh, would you please come and preach in our, in our church during our prayer and fasting in January? And, uh, oh, by the way, uh, after that, can we have coffee in Starbucks? And let's talk about discipleship. And then he said, What? I just prayed about it. So we've been friends ever since. And uh, he's been using our materials. We've been sharing to him some of the ways how to do it. And we've been friends. And I was telling the church, every time we would gather with the body of Christ here in Ortigas, during my time when I was leading here, uh, when we meet and there are new bishops coming in in UCC in the cafe area, uh, before I would even introduce myself, he would already introduce me. <laughs> you know, and he would brag on us in front of everybody. And he has been our unofficial spokesperson, Pastor Chito Sanchez. You would love him. Uh, you can visit his church one time if you want. But he's a very, very dear friend of ours. He's part of the body of Christ. He's part of Philippines, uh, uh, Philippine evangelical uh, churches in the uh, churches, evangelical churches. And, um, and so I'm just sharing this to you just to let you know that we're not the only ones. The church and the body of Christ, we are members, we are family members. Say family members. Family members. Magkakapatid po tayo. And that's why, that's why people, you hear people say, oh, Brother John, uh, you, know, uh, you know, and you call each other's name, brother and sister. We, we, we don't really do that in victory much. Uh, we don't call each other brother, sister. But it is, in, in, in the spiritual sense, we're brothers and sisters. Uh, but I would prefer first name, okay? <laughs> so we won't look so religious when we, when we are outside, you know? Um, well, it's either you're part of a church or, or a fraternity. They call also each other bro or sis. Uh, but, uh, but, but the reality is still the same. We are a spiritual family. And we are brothers and sisters. And uh, just don't call Pastor Alwin Father Alwin, all right? Uh, you don't have to. Uh, pastor is enough uh, to Pastor Alwin. So we are fellow citizens. We are family members, a metaphor of family. And the next one, verse, uh, verse 20. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. So at first, you, you, you know, stay put on that verse. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ himself being a cornerstone. At first, it was a metaphor of nation, fellow citizens. 
God's household. It's a, it's a metaphor of family. Now it's a metaphor of construction, foundation, cornerstone. In, in one sentence, Apostle Paul used multiple metaphors to explain one point, And that is, we have become one. We have become one. He has been talking about walls of hostility that needed to be destroyed in chapter 2, earlier of chapter 2. Now he's basically saying, we're fellow citizens. We're family members. And number three, as a holy temple, we are fitted stones or living stones. I'm trying to make it F, so, but living stones. We, as a holy temple, we are fitted stones. We are stones connected to each other, all connected to that one cornerstone that holds the entire building together. Without that cornerstone, this building is going to collapse. It's all because of Jesus. Say Jesus. It's all because of Him. And so, and so I want us, we are all uh, fitted together. You know, it just dawned on me, uh, John, uh, even the way we relate with other people in different faiths. Uh, uh, you know, that's another thing we can talk about. But here, he used the metaphor of construction. And now he's saying, like, as a holy temple, we are fitted as uh, fitted stones Look at 1 Peter chapter 2. I don't know if we have that on the keynote, but chapter 2, verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You yourselves are living stones. Say living stone. We are living stone connected with one another into this one beautiful holy temple. Right. Not rolling stone though. You know rolling stone, right? It's a, it's a band, rock band, who it, were, was popularized in, 19, in, in the 80s, beyond, uh, 90s. Not rolling stone or rolling from one church to another, but, but living stone. I call it fitted stones. Fitted together. And, and, and that is very crucial. That we're fitted together. I like those questions. On the survey you did, uh, Pastor Alvin, this morning. Like one of the questions there was, who do you run to? Do you have people in church you run to? I hope you, you said uh, you agreed. Right? Or you agreed on that one. That you have someone that you can run to in this church. Are we perfect? No. Will, will we offend each other? Yes. But it is how you respond to offense um, that is very crucial because we are not perfect. We will be offended at one point, but it doesn't mean I'm not part of the family anymore. And, and you know, it's just, you know... Some of you probably growing up, you were thinking, why was I born in the Kabiling family? I could have been born in the Likuds family. Or I could have been born Ayala. Why, why Kabiling? Kabiling? 
Siri said. Uh, Siri said, I'm Ferdy Kabailing. <laughs> so Siri says, why am I born in Kabailing family? I could have been born uh, uh, and, uh, uh, in a different family, Webb family. I like that, Webb. James Webb. Webb is a good name. Why Kabailing? I don't know. The Lord has set it up that I will be born in that family. And so therefore, no matter what happens, whether I'm offended by my family members in the Kabiling family, it doesn't matter. I'm still Kabiling and they're still my family. Amen? Come on, come on. They're still my family. Yeah. Uh, some, of my, some of my sisters voted different uh, personality last election. Uh, some of them, I dictated on them. <laughs> I gave them a list. I gave them a list and said, you vote for this. Vote whoever you want to vote. But make this part of your list, you know. Uh, these are my sisters. I, I, we just pull around, right? And so, and so uh, but, uh, but my other sister says, no, I'm not going to vote that one person you put in there. I says, sure, but she's still my sister. I'm not going to allow a political issue that would cause my relationship with my sisters to be broken just because of a politician. Come on. Yeah. I was talking to one person one time, will we get into this every six years? Let's settle this now because six years, after six years, we're going to meet again, you and I. We're going to talk about this again in six years. Let's not make this divide you and I. Let's not make this the differences it's okay. But we are still brothers and sisters. We are family. We are fitted together. Living stone. And then he says to be a, and the next one here, going back to the, uh, to the verse. The whole structure, verse 21. Let's go to verse 21. And says, in the whole structure being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. What is this for? So that we can become the habitation of God. That God would dwell in us. That's what we're longing for. That He would leave. If two or more gathered together, I'll be in the midst of them. As I end, um, uh, I want to say, uh, uh, I want another verse in Revelation. I want to read this in Revelation 21.3. And I heard a loud voice. From throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. That is our reward. That God is with his people. That no matter what color of skin, your accent, and your last name, it doesn't matter. The Lord is with us. Because Christ is our cornerstone we as God's temple must each take part in our collective calling to spread the gospel for the glory of God. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for this precious moment that you have given us. We're grateful, Lord God, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord, that you have called us as a church for a reason. We're grateful, Lord, that, Lord God, that you are with us 
Lord, that you are Emmanuel. Lord, that in the middle of turmoils, we can rely on your presence, Lord, that you are with us. I like how John put it. You are not just transcendent. You are eminent. You see. You see where we are, Lord God. As much as you are in control of the entire universe, but you see me. You see my, my situation, oh Lord. You see my predicament. Lord, I, we pray right now, Lord God. We continue to claim and ask, Lord God, that you continue to make us aware of your presence, that you are all around us. We continue to worship you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let's